Hi, and welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I'm Brad Mason. I'm here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Meow. And there she is. We had the cat standing at the door meowing. And, oh, man, you try these these podcast things. And uh, when you do it in a house like we do where we live, um, we have kids running around. We have two dogs outside. We have a cat that's meowing. Uh, we have five chickens in the front yard. And usually the rooster is crowing. So, um, getting everyone to be quiet so we can actually do this takes a little bit of effort and can be a little frustrating at times. Um, but we think we got the cat under control, hopefully. Um, you never know what you're going to hear. So we thank you for listening uh, to the podcast so far, The Abnormal Christian. You can reach us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. And I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't got an email. So that whole email box, that inbox is absolutely empty. And there's plenty of room for any new emails that you might want to send. Um, so you can just email us and give us a prayer request or maybe a, a, a subject topic for the show and we'd be glad to to do that and respond um we want to thank you for listening and for everyone who continues to listen this is episode 44 and uh, if you've made it this far then you're a veteran in my mind and um maybe you're a i don't know if you're a fan of the show or not or whatever it doesn't matter you're a fan of jesus that's the most important thing so we just want to thank you for listening and we we want to thank those people who are sharing uh, with others to you know hey check these people out they're uh, really different. So we hope that uh, makes some kind of impact in your life. So we're coming down to this episode, and this episode is really going to be based on a conversation that I had yesterday with someone. I haven't told Natasha what the topic is yet. I'm scared. Because I want it to be kind of, it's not really scary. We've, we've discussed this on the podcast before, but maybe not in depth. Um, so the, epi- the title of this episode, episode 44 of the podcast, will be um, The Dangers of Worship. The dangers of worship. So this is really interesting, mm. really interesting idea. We've I've, I've mentioned it in brief, uh, little tidbits here and there through the podcast, but I want to take a little bit of time to talk about it because I think it's a very important subject that the body of Christ needs to understand. Something we really need to get into more and more um, as we progress because I think we, there's some real dangers that go along with how we worship God. And uh, we'll look into that. So we're going to start off, we're going to read some scripture real quick, uh, because that's a great point of reference to come from. This is going to be Matthew chapter 15. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to start in verse 7, and we're going to work our way down to verse 11, if you don't mind, please. Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth not unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. So in Matthew chapter 15 here, the uh, disciples are eating and the Pharisees are having a fit because they didn't wash their hands before they ate something. And so they were saying, well, you're defiling yourself. Your hands are dirty and you're, I can't believe you're eating and your hands are dirty. And uh, Jesus earlier on goes on to say, you know, well, you've defiled the commandments of God with your traditions because you've made traditions more important than the actual commands that God himself has said. So uh, he's accusing the Pharisees of um, it, there's a thing called the Torah and there's a thing called the oral tradition or the Talmud 
include, um, which are commentaries on the Old Testament uh, Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Um, the Talmud was the rabbinical commentary. It was the, the high priest commentary on what the people should do. And they really held those, um, those ideas and those uh, thoughts that the, uh, the high priest or the rabbis would write as scripture. They thought, well, this is just as important as what God said. In a lot of cases, they made it more important than what God said. And so that's what Jesus is calling them out here on this passage. He's saying, your traditions have become more important than what God has actually stated. Um, in the last episode, we talked about the search for truth, wanting truth in our lives. And that is uh, one of the definite things that we have to be really careful of. We cannot allow traditions to become so important to us that we are willing to sidestep the actual truth. Um, we get upset when people don't uh, celebrate certain things with us. We might get upset when people don't um, look at a holiday in a particular view because it's a tradition that was passed down to me from my family. It's been a tradition for hundreds of years. And, and I don't really know why we do it. Right, but, but we we've always do done this. And so when someone comes along and says we should serve the Lord and we should not have any of these things because the Lord said he's a jealous God, he even says that he doesn't want uh, the voice or the word, I should say, the names of other gods spoken from our mouths. That's something we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to even talk about, give them that position in our mouth. We don't, because he says in the scripture, he makes a real clear point here, that what comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart, right? And so he doesn't, the only thing that should be upon our lips are the holy and righteous things. Um, it should be, this is why we have to be very careful about what we say and how we say things. Um, because we're praising the Lord. That's what this mouth is for. And everything that comes out of it should be from the heart. It should be those feelings of the heart. This is why the heathen rages. This is why people, you're, you're never going to convince me people who are out here screaming that, um, abortion is okay. And I'm, I'm picking a topic that's going to make some people upset, but, um, you're, you're not going to convince me that their heart is right with God because out of their mouth is coming a call for death. And the scripture says that the people who love death are the people who are not of God. So what's coming out of our heart, what's coming out of our mouth is an indication of what's on the inside of our heart. Um, if we're constantly talking about, and we've had that, we've covered this. If we're constantly talking about the person that we love, then we know that their heart loves that person. If I talk about my wife, Natasha, a lot, and I do, um, it's because I love her. I love being around her. I love being with her. And this is the same with God. If I'm talking about God and he becomes a constant in my life and he becomes the most important thing in my life, then people are going to see Jesus in me and they're going to know where my heart is at, Right. Right. I mean, that's what it would seem like. What you like. talk about is what you value. Right. So Jesus in this scripture here is saying, because of the accusation of dirty hands while they're eating, he's saying it's not what you're eating with. It's not, it's not what's going into you that's defiling you. It's what's coming out of you. Right. So we're putting in you were putting in the righteousness and righteousness should come out. And if we're filling our lives with filth and garbage and things that defile these these wickedness of the world, then what's going to happen to our heart? It's going to eventually be wicked. It's, I mean, it already is, but it's going to be even more wicked. The things that come out of our life are going to be wicked uh, It never ceases to amaze me. Um, and I'm a little off track here, but that's fine. But it never ceases to amaze me the people who struggle in life, the people who have problems in life, the people who are, are angry and bitter and upset and they're mad and they're just, they're shaking their fist at God. These people are doing that and they're so angry with God. And it's just like, I can't believe that somebody would worship this guy. And it's just like, well, you don't even know. You haven't even got a clue of how he can set you free from all of that. But here you're holding on to this bitterness and this anger that's in your heart toward somebody who could take that away from you. You're wanting to blame him for all the problems that you have. And so when it comes down to worship, this is where all this ties in, right? 
So one of the things I was talking to someone yesterday was um, I, I, we were talking about worship in church and uh, the guy was saying he really enjoyed playing uh, in a worship praise team and he really loved playing in, in the church. And he said uh, he felt like uh, he had some issues come up over time because the uh, the music became more important. It became so important that people were arguing about it. It became such a thing where it didn't feel like worship. It felt like work. It felt like I, I had to be there. I had to do this. And it felt like it was, he said it just became a um, a thing where he just didn't feel good about doing it, right? And he didn't have that feeling that he was worshiping God. And so the, one of the points that I made, which I've made before, is um, you got to be really careful about worship because we, uh, churches across the United States, we're all getting together for Sunday morning worship service. And we're bringing in anyone and everyone who will come and we're, we're calling them all together and we're worshiping God together in unity. And so we've, and a lot of times that experience of worship is based on what? It's based on our feelings. Yes. It's based on our feelings and our emotions. So it's a, it's a, an emotional tie to what we're hearing. Um, now you could sit there and argue with me all day long that that's not true. But I'm going to tell you when you're riding down the road and you're listening to the radio and the favorite song that you love comes on, you sing to the top of your lungs, you're shaking your arms, you're really feeling, you're feeling what they're saying because that gives you a good memory. I remember listening to that when I was a teenager, we'd ride around town and turn that up. Boy, we just sing that. There's an emotional feeling that goes along with music. That's the power of music. Music itself has a power. It, uh, you know, you listen to a classical piece of music and it might put you in a peaceful, serene mindset. Um, it's it's no wonder that people who do things like yoga and all kinds of stuff like that they're they're listening to classical music it's trying to get that mind in a different frame right so you look at back when we were growing up, rock music was real hard and it was real heavy and the kids were real rebellious. And it really, it felt that way when you listened to it, it was this drive to it. It was that drive. So when we come down to worship, we're looking at kind of the same thing. The, what are the dangers of actual worship? So we're supposed to worship the Lord God, right? And these scriptures give us a little bit of an insight of what, how we do that. So it's what's in our heart that comes out. Um, Jesus is calling them out on that. What, what's in our hearts coming out? And if we love the Lord, then we're professing that we love the Lord, right? So we get together and we worship. So one of the dangers I think that we see on, on worship is, um, is the worshiping with the lost, right? So we bring the lost people in and I'm, I made this a statement about Kanye and then found out later on he had a preacher out there that was fantastic, um, who preached the word of God right down the center, but worshiping with the lost, bringing the lost people in and worshiping God with them. I don't think that's something we should do. I don't think that's something we as believers or churches should do. I don't think every, and this is just Brad Mason talking right now. So you can, you can turn this off. If you don't like what I'm saying. It's okay. But I don't think that every Sunday morning we should have a worship service. I don't think that's necessary. I think what we do need to do is we need to have a time set aside where the body of Christ can get together to worship God. If you want to call your people in your church and say on Tuesday night, we're going to get together. We're going to have a worship service and we're going to worship God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And if you're a believer, you are more than welcome to to come. It needs to be a, a believer situation. Um, and you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't seem fair. Really? I'm going to point out something real quick to you that doesn't seem fair. Communion. Who takes communion? Anybody ever taken communion, taken communion before? A couple times. Okay. There's always, and this, and the communion that we take is supposed to be a representation of Passover, the Passover Seder, the blood and the body of Christ, right? So there's always a forewarning. There's always a forewarning before people take communion. The preacher usually reads the scripture and the scripture says that you are to make sure that your heart is right with God before you do it. Because it's, if it's not, then there is a curse upon you because you took, you partook of that and you didn't have a right to. 
You understand? Mm -hmm. So the lost person has no right to take communion with the saved person. Why? Because they have not experienced the saving grace of Jesus. They don't understand what the wine is. They don't understand what the bread is. They don't understand the concepts there that go along with taking that, with taking Passover, even Passover. They don't understand the concepts of that. So should they be included in your communion service? If your church has one, should they be there taking communion? I wouldn't think so because most people are going to take it just because they, A, they don't know what really what's going on and B, they don't want to stand out. Right. So there's going to be some people who are going to do that, right? But the preacher always gives that forewarning before they do it. Correct. Right. I mean, I, I, I've not been to many churches where they've, they've done communion and they just passed it around and said, okay, take some. And let's go, let's do this, right? So there, uh, that's not the way it usually happens. There's usually that forewarning. So worship should be the same way. Why? Because God is holy. God is deserving of everyone's worship. Yes, the scripture says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Absolutely. Everything should praise the Lord. Everything will praise the Lord. But at the same time, those who are not God's children, he does, we've already established this, he does not hear their prayers. Correct. Just their prayer of repentance. There you go. If he only listens to their prayer of repentance, do you think he hears their worship if they haven't repented of their sins? No. No. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time, honestly, for a lost person to praise God if their heart has not been changed and given over to Jesus. It will not do them any good, and he is not going to hear it. And how do we know this? Because there are those who say in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we done these wonderful things in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal people? Didn't we do all? We did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Wait a minute. So they did all these things in the name of God. They did them for God. They told people. And he says, I don't even know who you are. So it comes down to the same thing. One of the dangers of worship is giving someone the false feeling that they're okay with God. So <clears throat> I'm just, since I didn't really know what this topic was, I haven't really had a chance to think about it. So quote unquote devil's advocate. Maybe you should explain what exactly worship is. Well, okay, so because you're making it sound like there needs to be somebody at the door saying, "Are you saved?" Okay, no, 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 no. Oh no, you need to leave. Because no, I'm not we're saying doing that. X, Y, and Z in here. I'm not saying. Well, honestly, sometimes that. And I'm just saying you need I, to. I hear what you're saying there, but I will say sometimes that should happen. Okay. I, I would I would not be against that happening. If if someone were coming into your home and you had set apart that you were going to have dinner with your family and a stranger showed up at the door, would you let them in or would you say, mm, I'm having dinner with my family right now. I can't come out. Hey, can you come out and do this and that? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm having dinner with my family. If your family is getting get together to worship God and someone comes up and they are not of your family, right? They're not mm -hmm. a part of your family and they don't want to be a part of your family. They've never been a part of your family. They just want some food. Yeah, they have no right to partake in that. There is this definite idea in the scripture that we are set apart from the world by God. He set us apart. He changed us and made us completely different. I'm not saying that they have no right to come to your church. Absolutely, we want the lost to come to church. What I am saying is that every service we get together does not need to be a worship service to where, to the point that we might make someone feel that they're okay with God. That's a danger. That's a real serious danger because when they come in, if they're singing and they're lifting and they're raising their hands and praising with you and there's no... They're going to feel like right. they did some, 
did something good. And there's no gospel God, and there's really... no message preached there. I, you know, if you have a worship service at your church and the preacher gets up and he says, I'm glad you're all here. Thank you for coming. We're glad you're here on Sunday morning. We're getting ready to praise the Lord. We're getting ready to sing to him. If you're, if you're with us, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, we encourage you to sing. If you don't know what this is about, I would just ask you to listen to us. Listen to what's going on. We're going to praise the Lord right now and give that gospel before we actually do it because we're in jeopardy of putting people in a position to where they feel like they're okay with God. So you do understand, and I'm. Go ahead, play it. No, (laughs) you're playing the advocate. Go ahead. No, I'm. I'm just saying that they're actually getting like a snapshot into how our conversations are. Oh yeah, this is true. Things just come up and we start having conversations. Yeah, we do. We talk like this all the time, and and it's usually me starting because I've thought about something and it's drove drove me crazy. No, but I'm. I would I would think nowadays, you know. There's a very set order of things that happens when you go to church. Most of them have a general. Sure. Now we come in, we sing, and then we do this, and we do this, and and they. I like the way you're thinking, but you're still thinking small church. You're still thinking a country mom and pop church. You're still thinking of the traditional Bible believing foundational churches. You're not thinking of the mega churches that are coming from the West. You're not thinking of how current churches are trying to transition their worship service. To look like that. They've got the band on stage. They've got the lights. It's 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 growing. And these churches are packed full of people. Like Bethel and Elevation. Well, I was going to name places, but sure. Absolutely. They're packed full of people. They're having these massive services. The churches are recording CDs. They're musical groups. Look at uh, Hillsong. Hillsong. You've got Hillsong. Bethel Hill, Music. Yeah. Elevation you, Hillsong's worship. got Hillsong. Hillsong United. Hillsong Youth. Hills, I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of music that is coming out of these churches. H- have I heard a sermon from the preacher? Absolutely not. Have I heard the songs? Yeah, I've heard some of the songs. How is that? Why is that? Why am I hearing the singing before the faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God? How will they know except someone go and preaches what the scripture says? And what I'm saying is, is we're feeding the world a feel good mentality, a feel good doctrine and theology. And we're giving them this idea that we're okay with God and that we're going to be fine with God. And what happens is, is when a traditional, a a biblical, a, a person who believes the word of God stands up to preach, whether it's in a church or on the street, those people come out and say, well, I go to church and I don't believe that. I go to church and I don't feel that way. You can look up Ray Comfort on uh, YouTube. You can look up Todd Frill on YouTube. They both do open open street preaching. And there are plenty of people who, quote unquote, Christians who come up to the microphone and condemn them for saying that God has standards. God has morals. God has authority. They come up and they say, oh, well, I'm a Christian. And I go to church and I don't believe that. I don't believe that that sin is wrong. I don't believe this sin is wrong. And it's because they're going to places, we're going to places where we're giving people this feel-good idea that we're okay with God. I sing and praise every Sunday. I raise my hands. Well, I think nowadays the term Christian is kind of used loosely. Yes. In that, well, a Christian, I think some people would say, well, I believe in Jesus and I go to church. And that's maybe the extent of why they identify I will agree with that as too. Christians. I think the majority of us, uh, this is why we want to be abnormal. <laughs> and I'm really showing it now, I think. But I, I think we want to be abnormal to the point to where we want to be beyond this. So Christian was a word that was given to them, right? We learned that in the book of Acts. Well, it was, yes, we're going on we're going to Yeah, in the biblical study we're doing there of Acts, we're going to learn that Christians is not a word. Being a Christian was not a word that we chose. It was put upon them as, well, those people are Christians. They're followers of that Christ or that Yeshua. There's 
years. So, um, so yeah, it does mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. Um, but there's a biblical definition of what that is, and we know what that is. But my concern about the way we worship is that we're not worshiping. Yes, there's an order of worship, but I don't think... Um, you know, when I think back to the temple times, there were, there's a passage we come up where Paul was accused of bringing Greeks into the temple because people who were not Jews were not supposed to be in certain parts of the temple and they weren't allowed there. And that was an accusation they made against him because certain people were not of God. They're not supposed to be in here. What are you doing bringing them in here? It was a false accusation, but that's the idea is that these people, if we are children of God and we belong to God and he is our father and we desire to worship him. And honestly, here's the great thing about this. What we're doing on Sunday morning is probably the least extent of worship in your life that you can do. Getting up and singing and raising your hands and having an emotional connection to God is probably the least worshiping thing you can do. You know what the most worshiping thing you can do is? Living every single day for the glory of God. Walking in faith. Talking. Preaching. Sharing the gospel. Sharing the love of Jesus. That is worship of God. Because he says let, you have to worship in spirit and in truth. He makes two definitions in the scripture. We're supposed to worship God in spirit and in truth. Not this passage, but it's in there. <laughs> you like, look up this passage and be like, I don't remember reading that. But he says we're, we're to worship God in spirit and in truth. So we worship God in spirit, and, and that is the, the uh, meditation. That is the prayer. That is the part of me that's not open and, and out for everybody to hear and see sometimes. And then sometimes it is. But we also worship God in truth, that there are some definite, definitive things that make us different from the world, and we're going to walk in that every single day. So that little bit of that little snippet of what we do on Sunday morning is probably the least amount of worship a person can do in the week, in the week. Yes, singing our hands and praising to God is important. Yes, letting him know, but that should be an every single day thing. It shouldn't be that one hour in the morning. And when we get together, we should have preaching of truth. We should be telling what God has done for us. Yes, we should sing songs. We should sing about the greatness of God. But worshiping God is very, it's, it's to me, I think we really need to pull that back some and say, as a church, we're going to do this. We're going to get together and have a worship service, and it's going to be the believer's. You know, I mean, we, we've got to, we've got to change the way we're doing this because we're, we're making a community thing where it shouldn't be the worship of God. It should be for his people. And I know I'm sounding like a, you know, I'm trying to set us apart from the rest of the world, but I kind of am. I'm saying we are the children of God. He is our father. Well, I would think a lot of people, again, don't have a clear definition of what worship is. I think Every service that is at church is a worship service. Well, and that's because we have made it that way. We've overused the word, right? right. So it used to be Sunday morning service, Sunday night, Wednesday night service. It was a service. And then uh, rolling from the West Coast to the East, you had these Sunday. Now these churches are splitting. They're doing a worship service and a traditional service. And, a, you know, there's th four different services going on. But we're saying there's, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that worshiping God is wrong at all. If you're a Christian, you're offended by what I'm saying. You really need to get a check on this because he is your father. If, if my children were sitting here, if their grandfather was sitting in the room and they were in here just talking to their grandfather and learning from their grandfather and another kid came in and was like, well, that's my granddad too. They would be like, no, that's not your granddad. That's my grandpa. What are you talking about? And this kid would be like, yeah, I remember that time. No, you don't remember that time. You don't know anything about him. We can see that in human terms, but when it comes to God, our father, we're okay with the stranger coming in and partaking of something that they know nothing about. 
And my point there is not to exclude the lost because my, my point is that we've got to preach the gospel to them first and foremost. We've got to get them into the family. We want them to join in worship with us. So what would you call that service? I wouldn't call it a worship service. I would say it's Sunday morning church service. Call it... It's just a hip thing to say worship service right now. Let's be honest. That's what it is. It's just a hip thing. But but what we what we need to do is we need to be very definitive about what we're doing. Before your band gets up there in place, before your group gets up there in place, I would set out the precedent and say, look, I'm so thankful that you're here this Sunday morning. We're glad that you're here with us. We're going to worship the Lord right now. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we want you to worship with us. Set that parameter that the believers are going to worship. And if a lost person is sitting there, then... They're going to hear that the believers are going to worship with them. You wouldn't ask a lost person to come up and pray with you unless it was a prayer of repentance. You wouldn't turn to them and say, brother, oh, would you pray to the Lord? I've really got some struggles in my life. They're going to look at you and be like, oh, I don't know what that means. What am I supposed to do, right? Well, they would pray for you, but as we've already established, God wouldn't... Right. Exactly. Well, I don't even know if they'd pray. You've seen... Come on. You've been to church all your life, most, uh, most of your life, right? And you've seen the people who've been there, and when somebody sings and their mouth, their mouth's barely moving because people are embarrassed to sing, right? So, I mean, you're going to have a lot of that. There's going to be people who don't sing. But my warning there is, is that we don't. We want to make sure that we're giving them the real experience. We don't have to have emotional ties to everything. We need to lay out the truth first and foremost and then come to a place to where we can worship God. But again, that Sunday morning or that, that Sunday night service is just a small fraction of what your worship should be unto the Lord. Um, so, you know, I hope, hopefully I didn't hurt anybody's feelings. Maybe gave you some <laughs> thoughts and ideas. Maybe I did hurt your feelings. Okay. I'll own that. Um, and maybe this is just my feeling about what worship is, because when I look in what the scripture talks about worshiping of God, I don't understand sometimes the things that we're doing, the things that we're saying. We talk about truth in the last episode, and I was talking to some guys yesterday and I said, you know, um, I'm, they want me to sing in this group with them. And I said, I'll sing in the group with you, but I'm going to be honest with you. If the songs are not theologically sound or correct, I'm not going to sing them, right? I'm not going to sing them. If they, if they don't line up with the word of God, I'm not wasting my breath on that song because the word is very important. So when people get up in church to sing, if they're not singing theologically correct songs, I wouldn't sing them. Don't sing them um, because it's it's vanity unto God. He's not... Do you, we can't call him whatever we want to call him. We've got to call him who he is and what he, what he does and call those things out. So really, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, big on this. It's really, it's really all over me. Yes, so, he's uh, very big in the truth. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I expressed yesterday, I said to these guys, I said, uh, in the last two years of my life, I think God has done more for me um, relationship-wise with the Father. And he's pulling my heart in a direction that I, I want to go and that I think he wants us as people to go. And this zeal that he's put in me and the fire that he puts in me, he if, if he stopped talking to me today, I would be absolutely disappointed because he continues to show me new things. And he's not going to show me these new things if he doesn't have a purpose there. And so I'm hoping that, you know, even in this idea of the context of what is worship, and I, I haven't even got on to what does an actual worship service look like in the scriptures? What's it supposed to look like versus what we do? That's a whole nother subject. But the idea is we have to be very careful of how we treat the lost because the last thing in my heart that I ever want to do is give someone this false feeling that they're okay with God. Because the scripture says where our righteousness is filthy rags, we're undone before him. And every single one of us has to come to the cross of Christ and has to lay down the burdens that we have there. We have to open up ourselves. We have to accept this grace and mercy that he's offering us. And if we haven't done that, then he's not our father. He's not our father. He's not going to be your father. 
You got to get there first. And once he gets there, you can praise him for all the things that he's done for you, for the ways he's changed your life, for all the things he's taken from you and for the joy and the happiness and the new life that he's given you. That is what gives you the right to worship. He's pointing at me, y'all. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So anyway, we thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Check us out on uh, Facebook and Twitter and uh, YouTubes. And you know, I said on the internets and all the other places that you can find uh, delightful information. Um, we hope you'll continue to listen, share with your friends. Um, if you have some ideas about worship and what you think it is and what it should be, email me back at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. I'd be glad to dispute with you in email yes, or agree likes, with he you. He likes it. Absolutely. So we look forward to hearing from you and we hope you have a good week and God bless you. Talk to you later.